0: This video is a summary of World in Your Head by Michael Tazarian as part of the Michael Tazarian article series that I'm putting together for my YouTube and podcast channel. In this article, Tasarian talks in depth about the history of the human psyche and the mechanics of the conscious and unconscious mind. So it's quite a deep topic. I'll go over, uh, as it goes through the article, I'll go over numerous psychologists that I mentioned, um, I have had to rearrange some of the information to make it easier to note-take and summarize, but I hope you get something from it. I'm fairly confident you will. I hope it moves you uh, over to his actual website so that you actually do read it. But obviously this is just a summary, uh, but it's still gonna be quite long, I'd imagine. I've had to get myself uh, a cup of organic coffee so uh, I-, I can keep uh, you know, functioning as well as I can just for the short period of time. So please bear with me. Um, I do genuinely think, as I have mentioned before, that michael tasarian's work doesn't get enough attention i believe that he is one of these people that in like 10 15 20 years maybe in 100 years or so as wisdom is needed because of the degeneracy of society at the moment uh, his name is going to become more and more well known and popular and could be known as like a philosopher of our time so on to the article the article starts by uh, michael tasarian saying that 6,000 years ago, people didn't read, write or act as we do today. I'd imagine 6,000 years ago because that was a major shift in human consciousness in regards to our agriculture and and what we now consider domestication and society. Before this point, Tesaria made it clear that nobody questioned the difference between fantasy and reality at that time. There was no philosophical pondering uh, you know the the I think Tzarevian called the existential gateways the questions of who am I, how did I get here, where am I going? Uh, those questions, you know, were never considered up until fairly recently. He he believes six thousand years ago. It, it's quite well known that many people who have trauma, particularly to the left side of the brain, report frequent ecstatic feelings and, and prolonged uh, godly or numinous qualities. What does this suggest? Uh, C- Tasarian um, asked the question, why are these people's lives so drastically transformed and improved by left brain dysfunction? Does it mean that the left brain acts as a like an inhibitor Uh, Does it deny us of ecstatic experiences that were natural to us at some point? Now I agree with him. I agree with that point myself. I would add to it a little bit. I'd suggest that the brain is a a receiver of all experience. It's not the giver of consciousness. It's the receiver of it. The left brain seems to organise itself and, and create linear patterns out of reality. So we're trying to put a linear pattern onto a non-linear thing, uh, and that can cause, the left brain can cause uh, a lot of dysfunction. Um, Once this left brain has been hindered and restricted, the process of of lineating everything gets limited comparatively, right? Meaning that the, the part of the human body which creates linear and logical structures out of reality no longer functions. And what remains in the mystical, Uh, is all that remains, the mystical and the numinous is all that remains. Okay, so that makes, to me, that makes complete sense. But this depends upon the brain being a receiver of consciousness and information rather than a giver of information. Of course, mainstream science, they don't really like to hear that, they sort of refuse it. It sits outside of their limited left brain, materialist models of reality. So science isn't really picking that up, although it's been spoken about by particularly people in the uh, psychedelic movement of the 60s, 70s, um, and, and prior to that, a lot of people like Aldous Huxley who had that belief as well. So it has been around a long time, and obviously the the ancients, in my opinion, they knew this anyway. Um, the yogis they still talk about today. Uh, you know, it, it's very Western to think that material, the materialist science paradigm is very western right so further mark Tzarian shares how sigmund freud's work shook the foundations of of rationalists they assumed that the the intellect can reveal all of life's mysteries but as tasarian correctly said they forgot to include the mysteries of consciousness itself so once again they're trying to create linear and logical patterns out of a mystery the brain trying to figure itself out, the mind trying to figure itself out. And they leave that, that bit out, right? They miss the fundamental mystery of life. So Freud believed the, the ego uh, of our forefathers was immeasurably different to what it is today. A quote by Sigmund Freud, the ego feeling we are aware of now is just only a shrunken vestige of a, for, a far more extensive feeling a feeling which embraced the universe and expressed an inseparable connection of the ego with the external world. And that was in uh, his work, Civilization and Its Discontents. So uh, yeah, Sigmund Freud there saying, uh, I'll read the quote out again. The ego feeling we are aware of now is just only a shrunken vestige of a far more extensive feeling, a feeling which embraced the universe and expressed an inseparable connection to the ego with the external world. So the body has a natural wisdom, which raises the question, does the mind have a wisdom which is kept out of our awareness by the ego? Does our traumatic experiences and the ideals of collective groupthink hinder our cosmic connection with the universe? Deep questions and and perhaps very rarely investigated Um, Is there money in that? Is there power in that? Probably not, and it's in the inner game, not an outer game. So you have to actually seek it yourself. A quote shared by uh, John Mills in his work, uh, The Unconscious Abyss, he said, the ego mediates all forms of conflict, whether internally motivated or externally imposed by the demands of objective reality. Read it again. The ego mediates all forms of conflict, whether internally motivated or externally imposed by the demands of objective reality. And this raises a question. Has the ego took on the master's role over and above that of of self? And based on this, I ask myself whether the, the huge surge in mental health problems across the world have its roots in this reverse duality. If the ego has took on the master's role, if it's masking you, the real you or self, are are we authentic and are we individuals in the world? The answer is, of course, no. And and have the is our relationship with nature and with one another and societies and tribes and you know wars and everything else. Is that merely because the, egos, the ego consciousness of the collective is masking selfhood, the truth? The article then moves on to human beings' relationship with nature. Tasarian questions um, whether the fear of nature is paralleled by the fear of our own psyche. And therefore, the opposite would be true. A more organic and holistic view of nature would lessen the anxieties uh, and frailties of the the modern psyche. But what is the unconscious mind, according to some of the most renowned psychologists? Okay, so I'll try and go through a few of them now. So Sigmund Freud thought that the unconscious assisted in uh, alleviating the burdens of a a person's psyche. Whereas Carl Jung believed more to be a uh, repository or of repest, repressed content and something used by the self. So something that was asked in the article and along the lines of, of Jung's work is whether the ego is rejecting parts of the self, which then gets stored in the unconscious. Uh, both of the ideas, uh, you know, although they might sound opposing, they're, they're both great men, both need to be studied. Yeah. So how can we trust the world of the ego? As I mentioned, William Blake noted that since we don't have direct access to the unconscious mind, we must question its accuracy, which raises a question in my mind, uh, to what degree can we be objective in any event? Is not the entirety of reality subjected, subjective if the ego is repressing information and storing it in the unconscious? Objectivity... Uh, is seeing a thing for what it is how can we do that without a pure mind without self if ego's in the way how can we possibly do that sigmund freud however thought that the uh the unconscious could be accessed he was sort of the first guy to to, tr- to start in my opinion to use the mind to then start finding the mind again that we know about really in the western world yeah so sigmund freud uh he he quoted Turn your eyes inward, look into your own depths, learn first to know yourself, then you will understand why you are bound to fall ill, and perhaps you will avoid falling ill in the future. Freud uh, devised a a few ways of accessing the unconscious of of one of his clients. Um, Tasarian said that there were the the free association process, uh, the speaking cure and the dream therapy, which were created to like bypass the, the egoic mind, the egoic consciousness. So by bi- bypassing that, Freud had the belief that you could then access the unconscious. Cesare then uh, talks a little bit about uh, transference. That You don't need to understand transference. Please go and uh, study it yourself. But it, it's essentially um, the, the psychologist putting himself above the client and the client putting their... Uh, father figures and mother figures onto their psychologists. Um, but as Cesarin's quoted there, healing the mind often turns out to be far more arduous than healing the body. So he's trying to make the point that uh, it's not as simple as going to the gym. There's a lot more to it. So Freud drew what he believed to be a map of the psyche, um, where he put like the, the conscious mind at the top, and loads of unconscious content, uh, the id, the super ego, at the bottom, and the vast majority, ninety percent plus of it, was underneath the uh, the ocean. The image was of an ocean, and just above the ocean, like a little iceberg, was the conscious. It's been, you know, that model's been heavily critiqued for for you know the right reasons. It, it's a good, it's a reasonable map that you can work with, you know. So, according to to uh, Freud. The psyche is split into three sections, uh, the id, ego, and superego. You'll notice the majority of the psyche uh, in the image that I'm going to put on the video is underwater and out of our awareness. H- how does this become? How how is the unconscious become unconscious? So uh, the, the article then moves into ancestral trauma, and I spoke about this before. If you go on my website, uh, I've written articles about this why is there a splitting consciousness between the conscious and the unconscious? Where has that come from? He asked the question, has it always been that way or was there a split? Did Was there an origination point of the split in consciousness or has it always been there? So numerous people now were shown to, to believe that the split happened because of like uh, some ancestral traumatic event and we have not healed that event yet. So this is leading to like neurotic, uh, neurotic complexes and psychological disturbances. In the article, Tasarian puts forth a thought provoking idea that the ego was put there by the mind to handle the realities of life after the traumatic event took place. And this allows us to, you know, the human to continue to function in the world. If it weren't there, could we function or would we all be really neurotic? Uh, now it's theirs, now, now the mind has created this barrier, the unconscious, it, does it allow us to suppress and repress these issues so that we can function okay in the world? Okay, so a, a quote here by uh, Tazarian. With traumatic memories cast into the wilds of the mind, ego consciousness is free to face the world and process our experiences. Safe behind its defences, it developed other structures to assist in its act of repression. In this sense, the ego's foremost fear is the unconscious. It is always on guard against the titanic tides of the dark unconscious that may one day overwhelm it. And that was a quote from the article. Tezerian then goes on to uh, revere the work of, of Sigmund Freud and asks whether this is the first time the mind has begun to introspect itself for the first time, other than obviously the few illuminated souls of the past. He does... Uh, refuse Freud's belief that the unconscious is dark and sinister, and aligns with the the more Jungian view that the unconscious may be a symptom of abnormal society. He says uh, the devilry normally assigned to the id may not be inherent after all. It may Im- ori- sorry the devilry normally assigned to the id may not be in- inherent after all. It may originate from the oppressive culture we inhabit and its incessant demands upon our libido, meaning life force. In this case, the forces of the unconscious mind are those of necessary and legitimate rebellion against true evil. Beautifully written. Obviously, a lot of people know Carl Jung. There's probably few who know Sigmund Freud, but uh, Carl Jung worked quite closely for, with Freud for years, and there was like a parting of ways. And, and you know, Most people would probably assume that Carl Jung took Sigmund Freud's work to the next level. I, I tend to agree with that. Young, uh, Jung developed, as he developed, he, he believed that the self could be anything it wants to be. If one does like some sincere self inquiry into the mysteries of the unconscious, like what I'm trying to do here, um, then the unconscious would like smile back at you. But if one goes into the inquiry with like an uncaring attitude, then what looks back will be uncaring and frightening. Jung had his clients paint pictures, get into nature, monitor the changes in their bodies as they went through therapy. Um, it's very different from Freud, which is back to earlier, it's a bit more linear, whereas Jung was very contextual and non-linear. Although both men emphasised the importance of dream therapy as, as the access portal to the unconscious. Uh, another psychologist that uh, Tezerian talks about is Wilhelm Reich. Or Reich, I think it's Reich. This leads onto um, using the body as 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 a, a portion of the mind. The mind and the body being the same thing. Reich tra- trained with Freud, but uh, deconstructed his simplistic psychic model. You know the one we spoke about earlier. He rejected psychology without integrate integrating the body into therapy. And Reichians believe that physical and mental pathology is part of uh, emotional plague—that's the term they use—and everybody has that. Reich believed that things make much greater sense when we see the body as the unconscious, and and the body as being the most mysterious thing to us. His work was a, a like a big shift away from the the non physical by incorporating the body and the mind as a singular entity. I agree with Reich here. Um, As an example, it's clear that if a human is excessively obese, they probably have quite a a severe degree of trauma that has been repressed into the unconscious. So in this context, the person is using food as the tool of physical repression. If the trauma can be released and integrated, the person would lose the excess fat. And you see it a lot in the medical industry, um, instantaneous remission. Um, very often, there's a lady called uh, Moshani, I think her name is, uh, she wrote a book called Dying to Be Me, and she had uh, lymphoma, I think, quite bad, she was on death's door, and then she had a near-death experience, emotionally healed herself, come back and the cancer went, um, science can't answer that. But when you actually include Reich in working into this, that the body and the mind are one, you heal the mind, the body will take care of itself. So it's not quite that simplistic, but uh, something that we need to now study, and I believe Wilhelm Reich was a, was, was a genius. That The dynamic therapy involved uh, awakening and redirecting bioenergy in the body. So unlike Freud, who thought that pathology is based on warped sexuality, Reich thought it was a paralysis of life force, in the body, uh, and I resonate with that. I think that's a science. So as Thesarin shares there, Wilhelm Reich was, was made in an outcast across Europe, um, and eventually had his books and papers burnt, which is usually a good sign, right? So that's Wilhelm Reich, I recommend researching him. Um, and then we moved on to Otto Rank, who was Sigmund Freud's understudy. He was uh, his secretary, I think. Uh, He built on Sigmund Freud's work as well. So as you can see, there's a a developing theme here with Sigmund Freud um, that a lot of these people, he's the master of all these people and they are built on his work. So kudos to him. Otto Rank developed a a system called Will Therapy um, and was conscious of communicating with his clients about childhood and the past, focusing more on the here and the now. He, he realised that the accounts of his clients will have been very subjective, um, full of distortions, but you can't falsify it because it's come from their experience, right? But it doesn't mean it's true. So he noticed that the the father figure of Freud had become, to many people, um, that their external masculinity. They were putting the father figure on him. And he wanted to avoid all this, so so Rank noted that a person's childhood memories became lighter and less problematic when their present-day lives become more productive and conscious. So as a consequence, Rank focused on the present. He wouldn't. He refused to dwell on past experiences, which is very different and quite radical compared to other psychologists who thought it was a lot of it was childhood, which we'll talk about in a, in a bit. Uh, further down into the article. So in terms of the unconscious, Rank believed it to be anything outside of uh, one's immediate attention and focus, including the future. For example, we cannot know what it's like to be an elephant or on the dark side of the moon, as Tasarian put it. It's very simplistic, um, but it's a working model and that can be worked with anybody. As he developed as a psychologist, Rank's work on the unconscious led to an adaptation of Freud's Oedipus complex. Um, Study that, you don't need to go into that. Just study the Oedipus complex if you don't know what it is. So Rank thought that we desired to return to the comfort of the womb of the mother, which is, quite once again, quite radical. Tazarian invites us to look at our environment. The average city um, has... You know the architecture, the edifices, shapes and forms. You've got civic centres, arenas, malls, churches, uh, cinemas. All these things um, convinced Rank that the the uh, the returning to the mother's womb is a, is a syndrome that is always at work beneath the level of our conscious awareness, and we're acting from it at all times until we're made aware of it, at least. So Ra- Rank also believed uh, in the, the origins of crowd consciousness. That's how, it, that's how it's created. Um, a passage from the article. It is also, says Rank, the reason why so many neurotic types recoil from engagement with reality. They come for therapy to lie flat on a couch in a darkened room, close their eyes and talk endlessly about their childhoods. What's really going on here? Asked Rank. Does it all not seem rather odd? Close quote. Uh, Yes, it does seem quite odd. And it makes you question whether we have psychiatry completely inverted. Is it doing its job or is it actually making it worse? So essentially, Rank thought that we carried the surrogate womb in our mind uh, as an escape from the world where we can take a break from reality with all of its perceived dangers, we return to the mother's womb. Uh, And Rank rightly said that despite more and more therapy, the world has worsened. I say this all the time. If you've got more and more psychologists, psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, why have we got so much mental health problems? And he questioned whether psychopathology was real or fictitious, and whether the treatment from a father-like figure, Sigmund Freud, he noted, um, in womb-like environments a quote by uh, Eric Fromm Even when the umbilical cord is cut, there remains a deep craving to undo the separation, to return to the womb, or to find a new situation of absolute protection and security. Something to think about. There's another guy uh, here that Tazarian talks about called Thomas Saz. I think that's how he pronounced it. I might have butchered it. But Tazarian. Touch briefly on this uh, libertarian psychologist. He addressed, uh, Saz addressed the lack of responsibility that people took for their own existence, which is quite a libertarian philosophy. He he viewed immoral behavior as uh, evil and believed it was all too easy for the medical profession to label them as diseased or unstable, which let the individual off the hook for their behavior. and I think there's, there's a strong element of truth to that as well. And then we moved on to a lady called Karen Horney. Yet another neo-Freudian psychologist thought that uh, one's self-image is generated within the excessive influence of parents and society, which is therefore incredibly malignant. Inevitably, uh, this is a, a consistent loggerheads with the original and pure self, as we said before. Prior to the conditioning, purity. Once we've got society and parents, severe conditioning and problems. The original self is, is suppressed behind what the ego has externally approved of. Um, a quote directly from the article. The false self image they generate clashes with the child's authentic self image, ensuring that homeostasis is permanently disturbed. And that was by Mark Tassarian. The false self image they generate clashes with the child's authentic self image, ensuring that homeostasis is permanently disturbed. So Horney, like Rank, asked whether psychotherapy was a, a legitimate process. She questioned whether it was an authentic quest for healing or merely an act of self-deception. Is the client denying their underlying emotional issues and wrapping them in in pseudo-problems to put a plaster on their operating system, you know, just for a short while so they can function in an insane society for a while until it needs another plaster? Um, I think that's very commonplace. So in the words of Michael Tasarian, paid to improve my function and not my soul. Where do we see that? All over the world in the medical industry. So Tazarian, um makes the point that reality has its difficulties, but not taking responsibility for one's own life and psychological state causes more damage to the individual and the collective. So even if you're a mass collectivist, if you don't sort yourself out, you're causing more harm. Worse still, when a person pretends to themselves that they are genuinely seeking advice, uh, you know, when they're masking real issues behind pseudo complaints. So, what's an idealized image? The idealized image is, is what our ego creates to fit in with society and all of its conditions. It's created so that the person gets a constant haul of approval. Should that be forthcoming, then the, the true self gets even further damaged and, and repressed behind the mask of, of conformity and sameness. I'm gonna have a super coffee here, two seconds. Okay, so then we moved on in the article to something called the return of the repressed. Tasarian highlighted that the repressed will always come up to the surface because Anything of organic and natural origin always does, given time, because time's the best healer and best medicine, so anything organic and natural will. Yet, when the, the counterfeit image begins to crack, therapy is often about patching up the ego and the full self, rather than the reala- realisation of our true nature, our true self. So Tasarian then asks the reader to define the human, uh, the human being and the unconscious as an artist. Uh, And a quote, only by adopting an aesthetic perspective on life can the mysteries of humankind be sufficiently clarified. And another quote by Tazarian from the article, consequently, the unconscious is not only an epiphenomenon of humankind's ancestral image-making and art-making capacities, it is the source of it. Mind does not have ideas, because an idea is actually an image, And the point is secure once we remember that what we take ourselves to be is, again, nothing less than an image. What we call self is an image generated by the self. We are, in essence, pure art. Beautifully written, uh, an artistry in its own form. Tazarian is essentially there asking us to consider whether everything we consider ourselves and reality to be is imagery using the qualities of self and the artist, the man is the vessel. It's such a profound thing to, to grasp that if you study tarot, for example, the, the art card, is that is that one of the, the, is that the unconscious, is that the self within us that is creating art and poetry in the world? We then moved on to somebody called Ernest Hilgard. He was an American psychologist. He believed that the, the deepest layer of the mind he labelled the hidden observer. So he used hypnotism, which is huge now, as a tool. Um, and after intense studies, found that there is part of the, the mind which can't be coerced. This aligned with the Jungian idea of, it, of like a central archetype. And from my perspective, this is what we have heard from the eastern doctrines for centuries and the western magical magical tradition for the last you know 500 years you might have heard some spiritual teachers advising people to become the observer of their thoughts rather than focusing on the thoughts themselves so another passage from the article indeed what we call our thinking gets in the way of the real thing the directives of the self are flaunted by the ego time and time again leading to chaos Neurosis, then, is to be understood as the result of constant violations committed by the ego on the self. Essentially, Tezerian is saying that the ego stands in the way of our relationship with self. The neurosis that plagues humanity is because of the ego. Ego and, the, and its masking of self, something that this article goes through time and time again. Then we move on to uh, Friedrich Schelling. He theorised that the unconscious was a repository of antique memory, so similar perhaps to the uh, traumatic event. But he, more na- he, he believes a more natural outlook, so he thinks that it's nature's footprint that is stored in our unconscious. He believed that thwarting the creativity in man leads to lack of purpose and insanity. In fact, uh, Schelling was the man who found the term collective unconscious in the first place. This was long before Carl Jung and, you know, Carl Jung, rightly so at the pinnacle of human psychology at the moment, even though he passed away years ago. Uh, he didn't term the collective unconscious, which often gets quoted to him. It was actually Friedrich Schelling. And that moves us nicely into Immanuel Kant. Um, he offered an alternative view. He believed that the, the human intellect has limitation and we, we must, what he called, clip the wings of of reason and make way for faith. He called anything that can be known by the intellect, the phenomenal, the phenomenal world. Anything that cannot be known by the human intellect, he called the noumenal. Essentially saying that the human intellect is limited in its nature and we should be okay with the mystery. And then that moved on to George Hegel. The article is uh, is moving now through various different psychologists uh, George Hegel took a different approach. He said we should revere what reason and the intellect have understood now uh, and leave the mysteries of the future to unfold themselves. Let what we know, n- know now to be the focus rather than living in mystery. So that's more or less opposite to Kant. Both hold you know, some, some wisdom in there. Tasarian also says that both the conscious and the unconscious cannot be complete unless we comprehend this vast, mysterious movement of spirit. The ego and the the left brain can only come up with perceptions rather than reality of what something is. It actually prohibits understanding by trying to grasp it, which is a bit paradoxical. So spirit and the wholeness of life cannot be grasped using this mechanism. You can't grasp spirit by using the left brain. Um, and then he moved into parenting. The article has gone through a few few people there um, as, as a foundation to, to what I think is probably the biggest issue that is unspoken. Um, so then we move on to Alice Miller and Melanie Klein. They decided that it was the mistreatment and abuse of parents, from parents, that were the cause of the unconscious the cause of the repression in the unconscious. The hidden fury and anger of the child being stored away. As children, they can't openly express fury at parents and so repress it in the unconscious mind. tazarian lists common childhood issues um, such as nail biting, uh, ticks, spitting, swearing, teeth grinding, as an external manifestation of this fury. I mean, notice the, the infantile need to appeal, appease in the world today more powerful egos who use fear and threats to control weak dependence. Where can we see this right now? The rise of the, the anti-hero. Look at the music industry, look at the film industry. They're dead. It's why we end up with spiritually bankrupt societies as we, we see today in the West. A quote by Tazarian with regards to this section on parents. In short, this theory of the unconscious views it as a necessary hiding place in which boiling emotions of rage, shame, guilt and contempt are concealed. Not one in 10 million parents are aware of it, even in themselves or their children. And uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I think it's... Um, Parenting as has is such a complex issue. So it's, I'm not knocking parents here, but we don't we've never been educated in it properly. There's and obviously it's uh, generational. If you've had poor parenting, it's going to bleed through. So now it's time to, to stand up and be counted now. But this leads on to empathy, and Tzarin describes empathy as a, a natural reservoir which we draw upon to to operate with the world and our fellow man. So without it. Uh, he says we would remain like at the autistic and and semi semiotic level remaining uh regressed and and world hating which there is a lot of world haters out there you know well reality is magnificent you just have to understand it a little bit so when the autistic and semiotic levels don't have that the the, that they hate the world um but empathy allows us to, to access self-care and, and therefore care for others. We can overcome poor parenting with empathy to become more whole and authentic. But what is, the question that comes up towards the end is what is psychology's ultimate value? Is there a place for it? Or, or how does it need to change? Well, Tezeria maintains that psychology is of uh, enormous value. How else would we learn about ourselves and, and our relationship to reality? How could we understand our behavior if we, we did not look into the psyche and its components? I'd ask, is it the ultimate healing tool? If not, what else supersedes that healing of them bringing light to the darkness of your unconscious? And I think it's it's necessary here to probably quote Tzarrian uh, as as I close the the video and as he closed the article. Uh, Given that we are beings in the process of soul making, it follows that the onus is on each of us as individuals to respect psychoanalysis and related studies, since they direct us to acknowledge ourselves not only as humans among humans, but as beings in the process of becoming in short will we really free ourselves from suffering by avoiding introspection and self observation from asking sincere questions about the most complex phenomenon in the universe our own minds and i think that's a that's a great way to close um i appreciate it's a a long summary uh, but the article as you'll know is very in-depth there it covers a lot of ground i appreciate it's. I've tried to summarise it the best I can after all the notes I've took on it, but it's very difficult to make such a complex uh, thing simple to understand. So I hope I've done a good job of it. I hope I haven't butchered it. It requires a lot of study. If you've got uh, if you've got value from this, please subscribe, like, share, and do all that other good stuff. Uh, look at the the show notes. Um, I'm gonna put like uh, my websites on there, my other social media feeds. Please subscribe and do all that other good stuff. Thanks for watching. Uh, Have a great week. Happy New Year as well.